everyone, welcome to Serpent Temple. This week we've got something special as we are doing another deep dive into the vaults of obscure metal. This week we are covering Sadness with the album. Get ready for a butchering of the album title. Amez de Marbara. Yeah. Oh, that, that was alright. wasn't bad, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. I'm, I'm ready for Hellfest now. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an album that is extremely new to me. It's something, uh, quite a recent discovery for you as well, right? It is, yes. This is another. This is just another album I just copped off Phil Wady, basically. He posted <laughs> it on Twitter. I think he's been on it for like a couple of months, and then he posted it on Twitter, I think, last week. Just casually, he was like, I think, I can't even remember what album he compared it to now. It was like Pandemonium or something like that, yeah. you know, or... Um, you know, one of those kind of bands. And he was like, yeah, I think this is a really good spiritual counterpart to that album. And I was like, oh, I really like that album. And I clicked on it. And it just, you know, you know, sometimes like you just get a recommendation. You're just in that perfect moment. You've got that space where you can just listen to something and absorb it. And it was that. I was just in that zone where I was doing something, sitting at my computer for a couple of hours. And I was like, yeah. oh, brilliant. You know, I've trust Phil because obviously I've mentioned multiple yeah. times on here that like, he's brilliant suggestions. And through this album on and oh my god yeah. <laughs> i love this album it's a great fucking album so like i've uh, i had my second uh, listen through not too long ago and so this band so a little bit of a history so this album was released in 1993 uh, they're a swiss band um and i think off the bat anybody listening to this album is going to immediately pick up on the obvious celtic frost kind <laughs> yeah. of uh, vibes uh not too much information around the band members you've got gradle on drums shiva on guitars and piano Steph on guitars and vocals, and Andy on bass and vocals. And as far as I'm aware, there's oh, not that's too weird. much. Of... I've got a different list. Oh, have you? Yeah. I've oh, got... let's hear it. Well, no, it's, it's similar, but it's like, yeah, Grado on drums, Philippa Riand on guitars, Staff Terry, or Staff Terry on vocals and bass, and then Cron on keyboards, which sounds like a different list to yours. Yeah, so I took the band listing from the Encyclopedia Metallum. Okay. So, which had been known to get it wrong. Funny enough, their track listing was wrong. Oh really? Yeah, because the because this is one of those obscure bands that you have to listen to the album on YouTube. Yeah, it's not and like YouTube had the correct um, track order. Yeah, okay. but I think the the tracks um, they have on Encyclopedia Metallum Metal Archives they had Lures, which is the last track on the album, listed oh. as the second track. Oh, I've got that as the same. I think I took my track listing from. That makes sense. I didn't notice that they were different. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. So the second track is actually Anto Fagasta. Which oh. is, yes, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the band members are wrong oh, <laughs> on shit. Metal Archives as well. Because, uh, yeah, 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 that's good. That's, that's cool. this, this album is like a half-forgotten dream, and that's yeah. why I love it, really. Yeah, it's cool. Just like everything from the, like, the, the, the strange album cover to yeah. like, the, uh, I love the logo as well. Like, just mm. like a really like, obscure hand-drawn logo. Yeah, like, like, I was saying to you earlier as well, like, how obvious is it to have a band called Sadness? It's yeah. like, really, like, I was just like, oh, yeah. It's almost like it's like if the the band Madness got really depressed. So <laughs> like, fuck it, we're changing our name to Sadness. <laughs> a meme. But it's um, yeah, it's funny because obviously with a name like Sadness and stuff, if I hadn't seen the album cover and looked at like the chronology of when it was released, I would totally have just presumed this was like a DSBM album. <laughs> and I think the interesting thing is like one of the things I do really enjoy about this album as a whole is it's got quite an emphatic and impassioned uh, vocal delivery, a lot of vocal mm. variety as well. Um, and I actually. See, I'm, I'm a bit off of my timing of when DSBM was becoming prominent. I, I'm kind of thinking late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. So I see this as a bit of a precursor what would you call, vocally. What would you call 
when you're talk, when you're saying when you're saying that, what kind of bands are you quoting here? Well, I think okay. for me, I always think of Shining for the S. I think the quintessential example for me is always going to be Silencer, just because of the uh, I weird. I don't really know Silencer. I never listened to them. Yeah, well, Silencer are a weird band. It's worth looking them up because it's got a really sh- stupid <laughs> fucking story. There's this yeah. allegedly, I mean, it's clearly all bullshit, but the singer apparently chopped off his hands and sewed uh, pig <laughs> trotters onto his hands instead. <laughs> And um, but he pi- <laughs> oh, it's- how did he sew them on? If he yeah. cut his hands off, <laughs> I got his mum to do it. Uh, <laughs> living in a basement, so I don't know. I've been sewing pictures onto my but, fucking arms. But that album is like that is seen, I think, by many. I'm not overly up on what's kind of happening in the DSBM scene at the moment. I do dabble in it from time to time. Um, but like that is kind of like the quintessential uh, sort of DSBM album, especially for like the kind of wailing. Um, you know, like super emotional vocal style. And, yeah. And I was just saying, like, a lot of the vocals on here kind of sound a bit like a precursor to that because there's moments on this album. Cool, that... cool catch, man. I didn't think of that. That's oh. really true. They are very DSBM vocals. I did not think of that at all. But, but like, pre, yeah, like pre DSBM. Because yeah. it's 1989, did you yeah, say? Yeah, so PD, fucking old PD, shit. No, no, BDSM, that's something different. BDSM. So PDSBM. PDSB, yeah. P, pre DSBM. <laughs> Yeah, that's they are very DSBM vocals because it's kind of it, this album's very goth. Yeah, it's very. Um, one thing I liked about this album is that this. Have uh, you ever listened to Fields of Nephilim? Yes, but the, um, this album yeah, have actually. Yeah, this yeah. album yeah. sounds like I thought Fields of Nephilim were going to sound like. Yeah. I love Fields of Nephilim, but I was always like, you see Carl McCoy, and you're like, this motherfucker looks hard. You know what yeah. I mean? This <laughs> motherfucker goes hard in the paint. He looks yeah. like a fucking winner. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, this music's good, and he is like. Bleh. Yeah, but the guitars are like boom, boom. they're like the Smiths, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're quite. Yeah, it's yeah, because I think Fields and Nephilim. First time I listened to them, I thought they sounded more kind of upbeat than punchy. Yeah, than what I was. And expecting. I thought they were going to be like this record. Yeah, and when you put this record on, it's like there's a lot of flangery guitars, a lot of like phaser and kind of just wishful kind of. It's very and it makes it. It, it sounds in places a lot like. Um, there's comparisons can be made to disembowelment because they do the yeah. thing on this album where they're playing big heavy chords on the like electric heavy like Dum! but there's also a second guitar which is just clean being like wow like doing other yeah melodic shit at the same time which is like a really beautiful combo it's like amazingly not that utilized in heavy music yeah yeah like offensively heavy guitar with like really melodic guitar at the same time I think yeah, because there's not many bands that can really strike that balance between being like have it being being both stripped back and heavy at the same time, because each instrument is really discernible in this album. Like I I really like the bass and the drums and like the rhythm section of this album. Very good. Really gives me massive Cure vibes at times. Yeah, the like, drummer in particular is very yeah. interesting because his technique. If you look at the time, like the technique he's using is again like just very ahead of the curve for the yeah. kind of shit he's doing. And it's really cool because there's bits where he's doing like blast beats and double bass pedal shit and the guitars are playing heavy, but it doesn't sound like you, like you, what you're used to when you hear like a heavy yeah. set of guitars with double bass pedal. And it's like, it's doing all the same shit, but it feels different. It's really interesting. Yeah. And just, you know what, as well, like we were kind of touching upon this a little bit when we were reviewing Phlebotomized, like I think... You know, the use of piano and violin at times in heavy music could be quite hackneyed, I think. 
but like I, I totally love it and appreciate it when it's done tastefully. Yeah. And I think this is another band that could be added to the list of yeah. bands that can incorporate the violin in a way yeah. that doesn't detract from the music and it, it adds to it and it blends with the atmosphere of the music what as song, well. What song, because I know what you're talking about. What song is it where it comes in? We don't know anymore because apparently the track listings are all fucked up, but there's that, when it comes in, it's like, it comes in, they've like established this and there's, oh, there's also the, the female vocalist on this album who I don't have her name. There is, I did see her name written down somewhere though. I've just realized now that she's not on that list that I wrote of the start of the members of the album, but there's a female vocalist as well. There's two male vocalists. I don't know if one of the guitarists does backup vocals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, there's one part where the female vocalist is doing this beautiful kind of lush backing vocal. Yeah. And then the, the violin just comes in out of nowhere and it's just doing this really gorgeous fucking luscious might be Tears of Sorrow, I think. I think it might be yeah. Tears of Sorrow, yeah. Because yeah. that's, I think that's quite, that's got quite, uh, it's quite prominent with the female vocals. And mm. like, it's cool. I love like the vocal trade-offs as well. Yeah, it's like really interesting. It's, it's one of those things that I actually, you know, I'm not an, a big fan of a lot of bands that have dual vocalists. Interesting. Okay. I think it kind of, you know, there's a few bands that I feel like, in history that managed to do it in a way where it's exciting and dynamic and not just an additional thin that detracts from the music. Mm. So like a band like say uh, sixth, for example, like I, th I think like what they've done with their vocals, because their, their music, especially on their first album is so chaotic. Yeah. Like, like the, the having two vocalists totally lends to that. Whereas like, you know, it's, oh, I'm trying to think of all the bands you've got. Yeah. But there's you know, the whole beauty in the beast thin. It's something that I never, you know, like a harsh male vocalist or like mm. a clean sung vocalist. It's not something that ever really interested Works me too you. much. That's really interesting. Oh, God, there's a band. What was it? I was listening to an episode of Heavy Hole and there's a guy that used to be in like one of the like OG slam death metal bands. Oh, and he God, ended up going on to be in like basically one of the first bands. It's like a doom metal band, but they got big in Europe. And I, can't I know who you're fucking talking fuck about, called, but I can't, I can't recall remember it. what they're called, but they were like a beauty. He said that like when they started playing, they were getting reviews. Yeah. Like their reviews were some of the first time that people started coining like beauty and the beast because the, 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 the metal vocalist, the bloke vocalist was like, he was just going at it hard. Yeah. And the female vocalist is doing this beautiful operatic shit. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, Panamonium again. What is that the one I always get mixed up? What's the one where it's it's Dan Swano? What's his is that Pandemonium? Because there's two bands where they have similar names. Oh, same with Dan Swano. That guy's in like fucking so many yeah, bands. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's um I'm most familiar with um uh, well with him anyway, obviously Edge of Sanity and yeah. um and have you ever listened to his like fuzzy, like almost grime project, Rib Spreader? No, I haven't actually. Really good. If you like the Swedish like classic buzzsaw sound, but with a bit more of a grind flavor to it, it's really fucking good. Um, he was, I think, he wasn't a member for all their albums, but a couple of albums he was he was uh, a vocalist for, and it's just fucking, it's amazing. Oh, Tiamat. That's the other album. I was the other band I was thinking of. Ah, oh, Tiamat. You know yeah. Tiamat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're sick. Yeah, really cool band. Yeah, but in many ways, I feel like this this band probably was quite ahead of the curve, right? And it's insanely so, right? Yeah, and I think there's something you know, being from Switzerland, like I was saying in the uh, in the intro, it's 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 hard not to make that comparison to Celtic Frost because I feel like you know Tom Duoria and um, you know had made made such an impact. Firstly, with Hellhammer and yeah. how that went to impact a lot of the first and second wave black metal bands, but then you know with Celtic Frost, I think has left an indelible mark on the scene. In um, incredibly so. And, you know, we, I remember you saying, like, this sounds at times a bit like a precursor to, like, Monotheist. Yeah, like, I, I really, could totally hear that. Yeah, it's so fucking interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. it's like they took parts of the... So this was 89? 
You said this album, Sadness? 93. Oh, 93. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. you said it was 89. Okay, that's cool. So basically, yeah, because Morbid Tales 84 to Megatherian 85, like it's clear that the guitarist of this band is obsessed. Yeah, Into the Pandemonium's 87. Yeah. So it's clear that the guitarist of this band, Sadness, is obsessed with Celtic Frost. And it's, that's not, A, that's not a, an insult. And B, it's not to this band's detriment in any way, shape or no. form. Like he does it in such a cool, classy way. And I think that's just because... Um, I think that with Celtic Frost, Tom G. Warrior really hit on a style of guitar playing, which is this, it's doomy, but it's not just slow all the time. It's like this perfect mid-paced riffing where it's heavy and it's not just trying to be flashy. It's trying to convey... The thing about it is it's very atmospheric, yeah. right? It's like very moody riffing. It's very evocative of a feeling. And this whole album, this sadness album... It's just fucking the the heavy uh, the heavy guitars aren't hitting you every minute of the album, but this whole album is just depressive and sad, and it really lives up to the name sadness. Yeah, <laughs> and I really think a lot of that is to do with the Celtic Frost guitars, you know, which is it wouldn't be the same if it was like a like a Judas Priest kind of thing or a you know thrashy kind of thing, but that's that's kind of the difference, isn't it? You know, yeah. this is the thing. I think you've touched on something really important there because I think something that Tom G. Warrior always managed to capture in his guitar playing which I think is missing in certain like tenants of the doom scene mm. is that element of groove and funk. And, you know, like there's in this, like take this album, for example, tears of sorrow, which is I think the longest track on the album, seven minutes in, you get like such a sick fucking riff. That's a like, total like Celtic Frost riff. And do you know, it's interesting because like, also I know this is a band we talk about probably way too much, but there's at times where you listen to old school corn, <laughs> and you could almost hear the direct oh, correlation totally. between Corn yeah. and Celtic Frost, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's absolutely like, yeah. riffs like they again, like it's so easy for people to see Corn and just look at the surface things and go, oh, new metal. Or, oh, I don't really like Jonathan Davis vocals, you know, and uh, like that's. Uh, but the the guitar work in Corn is like some of it is so good. Yeah, some of the riff writing is incredible. It really stands stands up just to this day. A hundred percent. Yeah. Very similar vibe. Yeah. Very, yeah. Tom G. Warrior. They're very doomy guitars. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking, it's just, but it's just the sound that I feel like just, it just resonates with so many people because it's got everything you want from guitar playing, right? Mm. You want like the fucking, like the low pitch, like the fucking, like the bassiness, um, like the atmosphere uh, and the, the groove, the funk and just, you know, just, just, just the rhythm. So everything about it is exactly mm. what you would want as an extreme metal fan. Yeah, and, you could, and you, that's why you could see why his influence has splintered off and affected so many of the subgenres in different ways. I mean, Tom G. Rory is like my guitar hero. Yeah. That's the the guy for me. If someone's like, "Who's your favorite guitarist? Who's the person that really shaped your guitar?" and I'm like, Tom G. Rory. Yeah, easy like that for me. And and like that's it's kind of there's something really cool about the fact that this sounds like Monotheus before Monotheus came out because obviously you can listen to like yeah like morbid tales and um you know yeah all the old school Celtic frost stuff and you can yeah. hear that influence is still there it's still in the old stuff as well yeah but there's just something about monotheist mono where he managed to pull it together into that more kind of modern package which yeah. is really kind of what really is it's, it's beautiful that they managed to do that and that's why i still love monotheist so much yeah you know it's so much easier to listen to it's great <clears throat> i feel like tripticon have really taken that sound and Absolutely. ran with it as well like i love those first two fucking well i think the only two tripticon albums yeah, yeah. Um, tripticon are fantastic um so good man and so great live i told you i saw them at roadburn right when they were playing no, um, oh when they're playing the triplets the, 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 the celtic cross yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow good. that's cool 
But it's, uh, yeah, do you know what? This is why it's always so cool, man, when you discover like a hidden gem like this, because I'm just thinking, where the fuck? Has it <laughs> well, been? Where, where the fuck have they been? And, and secondly, where have they gone? Like, yeah. They just fade out. Gone? And then. Dude, I was looking at, yeah, like you look on Encyclopedia Metallum, the singer slash bass player of this band um, was in like, what was it called? He was in like another pro. He was in, he recorded like a demo in like 2006 that did nothing and went nowhere. And I can't really see that anyone else has really been in any other bands or anything. Just reminds you of you know, bands like Visceral, Visceration. Like, yeah, where did they go? I changed their they, name to As I Lay Dying. <laughs> they just disappeared. And then, yeah, yeah. It's weird, man. But, but it's, I, I, I kind of love that. And that's kind of, another, I think that's a really good reason to talk about it. And like the more people talk about it, the more people will hear about it and check it out. And, you know, enough people, like, if, if you keep seeing sadness, I'm Esther Marbury at some point, like, but a lot of people probably skip over this being like, what the fuck is that? I don't understand. Yeah. But, like, you see this cover, and the cover is weird. Yeah. The cover is, like, three African tribes people uh, with, like, white face paint. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and apparently, I'm Esther Marbury, if you translate it, I think it's French from Marble Souls. Yeah. Which is really interesting, because um, you were talking about, there's the song... So there's like, a, obviously, I think it carries through as like a theme throughout the album because Antofagasta, the last track and one of the track listings is apparently it's a city in Chile and it's known as the Pearl of the North of Chile. Okay. Which is interesting. And then obviously there's like Opal Vault, which is like Opal with like a crystalline kind of word, like a city yeah. with like rocks and stuff. And um, yeah, and Mr. Marbre. Lures is apparently, it means glows, I think, in French. From what, from what I can see. And then Tears of Sorrow, a lot of the lyrics. I really like the lyrics of this album, actually. The lyrics are really cool. They're very dramatic and over the top and miserable. Um, it's that kind of... I think that's why I think I wouldn't call it like a doom album. It feels like a goth album that's heavily influenced by Celtic Frost. Yeah. And it's it's got that thing I really like about good goth music where it's very like... It's kind of lusty in a kind of spiritual way. It's like obsessed with sadness yeah romantic right yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. romantic but in a non-incel way <laughs> you know <laughs> it, it's yeah. not in a like everyone owes everything to me it's just yeah. like obsessed with the concept of romance and obsessed with the concept of sadness and yeah okay. it's even the first track the title track which has got the lyrics angel of sadness and oh they're fantastic. like it's just delivered with like such like conviction angel sadness. of sadness <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it, i think it's a little bit like what's the guy is it tommy Rizzo from the room Oh yeah, I've still it, never seen the room. I haven't either, but yeah. I kind of imagine like that he could be the singer of this band. <laughs> I don't yeah, he's just got that aesthetic, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just something yeah. about the delivery is like a bit unhinged, but in a really good way. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, like you were saying as well, it's really impassioned in a lot of places, and it's it's just something about the the vocal delivery that you just don't really get in a lot of bands today. Do you know what it is? It's the enunciation as well. It's mm. so fucking underappreciated in metal, especially when like me and you come from a background of like fucking love and death metal. Yeah, you don't yeah. give a fuck about enunciation. Yeah, no. listen, to, listen to fucking None So Wild by Lord Worm. You can't pick out a single fucking word <laughs> in that entire album. Like, you know, you, even if you follow the lyrics, you're like, this makes no fucking sense. Like, there's no <laughs> structure to yeah, this at all. It's just none to be had. None but it's, but that's why I fucking love that album so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, but it, it's something that I think is I, I've grown to appreciate a bit more um, as my music taste has kind of diversified a bit. Yeah. Because um, it's just you know it's it's I guess it, that's why it's easier for people to connect to vocals where you can understand somewhat 
yeah, uh, and pick out what they're saying. And, and and you can on this album. There's a good range. You know, like this, as you were saying, there's multiple vocalists. Like the female vo- vocals are outstanding. They're incredible. Um, yeah. They're really good. Um, and you know, the the two vocals. I, it was actually quite hard for me to pick out where the two vocal vocalists differentiated. There's I think, one, but I think where it really comes in, there's that one bit where there's like a second male vocal kind of doing this, like almost like Gregorian chant style singing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't remember what song it is, but there's one part where there's like, it's almost like a three part vocal thing because there's like the second male vocalist comes in doing this repetitive, almost religious sounding vocal. And then I feel like, the, oh, and it's that, it's like that. Dun, dun. Oh, no, that's the end of the first song. It's similar, similar kind of thing, yeah. though. It kind of cuts in. There's like, well, what's cool about the first track, the title track, I love what they've done with like, that had like a kind of like a backwards tracking effect on the vocals at some point. Yeah, and that bit, that's at the end of that song, at the yeah. end of the first song. And that whole bit where the vocals are backwards, he's singing in German, but the rest of the song he's singing in English. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, he just randomly starts singing in German at the end. Again, like, we were, yeah, like in Switzerland, I looked up, it was really cool that but I didn't realize until like while I was looking up for this album that um, apparently French, German and Italian are all like quite widely spoken in Switzerland. It's mad. They're so like multilingual. Super multilingual. I only know this through the, um, uh, there's a, there was a popular wrestler who just left AEW recently called Cesaro. Okay. It was a Swiss wrestler, an Uh, absolute specimen. And I hope he signs to AEW eventually. Um, but he, if he's if he's watching, if you're watching. <laughs> our review of sadness, <laughs> you never know. But, but no, and he's like, I remember watching an interview of him, and like, and he was saying, yeah, just you know, casually, yeah, I speak seven languages. It's just, <laughs> but it's just you know, geographically, it's such an interesting part of the country. It's like you know, I, I, I've got Italian uh, friends and people that I know who who just drive to Switzerland. And yeah. It's like a bit of a, there's a bit of a tax thing as well where you could set up a business in switzerland that, and get yeah. certain things that yeah, you know that makes sense yeah i didn't really think about that yes yeah obviously a lot of business oh, so reasons. i won't be naming those people by name you know, for obvious reasons oh, yeah the, the lyrics of that first song are, ama- are amazing where is it it's like uh the guardian angel descends from his obscure limbo to eternally rest on his cold body of the but oh, this, i see I, this word it says begin but i don't think it says that i've seen different words written every time i've found the lyrics of this song his melancholic face empty of sensations watches over the dead motionless rock of stone on a parallel world angel of sadness invading your tomb it seems that a tear rolls down your cheek your soul has maybe rejoined its immortality thanks to him you'll dream again and forever yeah it's just so romantic and over the top but it's beautiful and it's, it's this kind of weird this this sense of like he's singing about this guardian angel, but he's invading your tomb. So it's that's like a negative connotation. Yeah. And I kind of love that weird play between there's this kind of feeling of like absolute power and then he's transcending the realm of death. And like that's fucking like those, those lyrics for that first song yeah. there. Like when I read those, I was like, I'm interested. I'm yeah. in. Dare I say even slightly uh, reminiscent of disembowelment. Maybe not so much in the style of the yeah, writing, but in the way the really. themes are kind of mm, play you know? off each other. Yeah, that's yeah. very true, actually. Yeah, let's kind of yeah, because this is more like first person, but absolutely, yeah, the kind of this kind of yeah, tra- that's a very good point. Yeah, transcending the um, the veil of death. It just just goes to show in it that um, how talented uh, musicians and lyricists are when they could write English lyrics far better than I ever can. You know right? I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, English isn't this this guy's first language, and he's still writing such beautiful poetic lyrics in English. But well, yeah, presumably, no, it's not his first. First track was great, and yeah, it's like you know, I I, I think this is one of the tracks that kind of reminded me of the Cure the most. You know, just I, there's something I really love about a really 
clean kind of like driving bass tone and oh you know, yeah if it's been said a hundred times it's been said a million times you know like bass is largely very uh underproduced mm-hmm. and undermixed and heavy metal right for the most part i mean just ask uh poor uh jason newstead <laughs> um, but but you know that's why it's always so refreshing to hear a heavy album that you know that understands that it's not just the filler instrument yeah like, that that's really interesting because this album that's again that's like another thing where it doesn't feel like a um, it it's a really weird album because it doesn't feel like a metal album while simultaneously being metal as fuck yeah. and like way heavier than a lot of other metal albums. But it feels like it feels like whoever was recording it was like good at recording and they were like, I can record drums and bass and I can record all this stuff. And it feels like the guitarist just came in with like his amp and effects pedals and started <laughs> playing all this Celtic Frost shit and the yeah. guy was like, okay yeah Yeah, that works you know what i mean yeah like okay yeah i'll record this because it's like yeah it's really interesting because all the other shit is recorded so well like the drums and the bass and when you listen to music like metal from this time period a lot of it like they can't afford good studios and they can't afford like especially bands like this that have sunk into obscurity and they're not on some label getting pimped out for eternity trying to get their money back sort of thing you know like yeah but the actual recording is really i think quite good yeah, considering and again, like you were saying, the bass tone is part of that. Again, a really nice bass tone. Yeah, no, it's it's a great sounding album, and you know, like and as I was saying a little bit before uh, recording, it's kind of like the certain albums that are just so easy to vibe to, mm. and just kind of like to put in the background and just totally chill out when you're in the right frame of mind. And you know, it's interesting um, because, like, I was saying this uh, last week with Nina when we were reviewing like the uh, Aluna album, which is just yep. had kind of like having like a summer vibe but it's interesting for me how sometimes for me summery music is music that would traditionally be more associated with winter like, oh interesting like you know i've just like i know they, they turn out to be a bit problematic but obviously when i used to listen to a lot of agalock for example like <laughs> i'd listen to agalock a lot in the summer for some reason uh, like to yeah. me it was it sounded summery even though to others it no i know what you mean i was agalock always makes me think of like um autumn it always makes me but think makes of like falling leaves. It always makes me think of like red, like the, the 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 trees have just started to get yeah, kind of go barren and stuff. But then of course there's like winter with the, the fields. It's such a shame the singer of that band's a loser because the rest of the band apparently is just, is literally just John Howe. That's probably yeah, because yeah, all the other guys seemed pretty the, cool, yeah, right? He just he just went okay. full fucking. No, yeah. I, he's just an idiot. Yeah. He's, I don't. I, as far as I can remember from what I read, like I don't think he was like. Highland and shit. I think he was just a moron, and he was just like, yeah, you know, he was just one of those people who was like, oh, he was just an edge lord, and that was wasn't that what the one of the other guys in the band said? They were like, oh, it's such a shame that John's such a tiny edge lord. <laughs> <laughs> he's always wearing this little leather jacket in the, uh, in the promo pics. Yeah, as well, I love the, the promo pic where he's like holding a fucking axe. <laughs> like, he looks so. It, it kind of reminds me of me if I grew up and <laughs> yeah, from the age of fifteen when I first watched The Matrix <laughs> and was just like, ah, oh, this is cool. I want a trench coat. It's kind of and like uh, Agalock is like it's like one of those guys who's got like a bedroom black metal project but if he actually had a really good band behind him that's yeah. basically what agalock was because nah. john was cringe as fuck but the actual compositional shit going into that but well, i think the, one of the, i think one of the guitarists is like a music professor or something he is yeah yeah insanely i've seen a few qualified. videos of him doing talks and stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. insanely qualified yeah. he's called john as well i think Maybe, i might be wrong on that i can't remember i need to look into it right so shall we do a quick brief uh, track by track i feel like we've always we've already covered the first track yeah and the second track I quite liked, so it was uh, I like quite like the sampling of the birds. I thought that was quite a nice touch. The seagulls, the seagulls, yes, yeah, I, thought I was quite really cool liked touch. that because they're very prevalent. Yeah, and they really put you. And there's that there's that Akakoka song. 
on their newest album where they've got seagulls as well. Oh, gee, it's the album I'm least familiar with, so I can't, uh, I can't very recall good album. it. But it, yeah, yeah. I, I, it again really works in this because it, it just it puts you in that place where it's almost like you're you're visiting the beach and you haven't seen the sea for like a really long time and you're kind of having that moment to yourself. Whereas yeah. like even even when you're with other people, you just kind of like, I don't know about you, but whenever I visit the sea in any kind of capacity, I just always have these private moments where you're just staring out and I just get completely lost. Oh man, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Like uh, Dundee, where my parents are from, is is uh, basically coastal. Um, and um, for me, the sound of the seagulls is such a nostalgic sound because it's, it's something I always associate of being, you know, being in Dundee, which kind of like is the home away from home because, mm. you know, like 99.9% of my family are from there. Right. And so, yeah, we'd go down to Broughty Ferry uh, sometimes and just like, yeah, totally, man. As much as I have like quite a prevalent fear of open water, mm. if from a safe distance, like just looking out, just, just losing, losing yourself, I've totally been there many times, just yeah. fucking just, just drifting out of time and yeah. space. Yeah. And but, again, yeah. What a beautiful, again, like, yeah, what a beautiful place to, take things on this album like straight away as well yeah it's just and you know and i love it's got a great use of kind of like marching drum beats on this album and you know this track in particular so this is the second track which is antofagasta i believe because the lyrics of this track um that were listed do match the track listing that was on youtube okay. uh, so they're talking i think they're even talking about you know flying or i'm guessing from the perspective of birds at some point uh, oh. or maybe just some metaphorical oh i don't uh, it seems like there's a line. yeah horrible okay yeah. fly bird fly hover on human madness yeah sick that's <laughs> so, <laughs> so good, good man but it's yeah just you're like... right and it, god they're completely fucked up because here this thinks that's the seventh song yeah then maybe there's two different editions because you get this with some albums where the english version and the u.s version have different track listings for yeah. some reason it happened to me once with um I can't, it might have been a kill switch album one of the ones that released after the end of heartache. So <laughs> what transition from sadness to kill switch engage, but it's, um, I downloaded the album and the track listing was fucked. So when, <laughs> the first time I ever like listened to the album again on Spotify, I was just like, Oh, what's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is not the track listing <laughs> I remember, but yeah, it's weird how that can really affect you. Isn't it? I've been getting back yeah. into albums recently. Yeah. Cause a lot of the time I've been listening to a lot of stuff, just driving around or whatever, but like, yeah, finding more of these kind of obscure gems or whatever. I really, dive into them a lot more because there's so much power and atmosphere going on yeah and yeah the track listings everything oh yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's so important because i think it's you really know important. well when a band takes the effort to make an album and make it a cohesive journey from start to finish like mm. i feel like if you're a fan of that band you kind of owe it to them to give the material a full listen in its entirety I think so, so. You, you, you're bound to be missing out on something because I think you know metal is one of those or heavy music I should say is one of those uh, genres where I feel like that has always remained an important part of the recording process Absolutely. it's never been about releasing singles no. um, unless it's you know you're talking about the top top tier bands who you know maybe mm. give some thought about oh, which track is the most radio friendly mm. or whatnot. but like you know it's always you know it's always been there's always been um kind of like a um that that desire to still release physical media as well whether it be cds and with the resurgence of vinyls and now the resurgence of cassettes as well mm -hmm. like it's nostalgia like people it's it's true music for people that enjoy music in that old school format yeah and it seems weird for me to say it's an old school format because to me like cds yeah, are like new that. school and like tapes are old school and like vinyls were before my time really first yeah. time rounds and and now it's all topsy-turvy, but... Well, I think, you know, like, uh, metal, heavy music is 
obsessed with paying fealty to what came before. Yeah. You know, it's like people are kind of like, um, you know, it, there's a there's a big thing of like whether or not, you know, certain people will look at things and be like, oh, that's that's modern. I'm not interested in that because I'm like an old school guy and I don't really yeah. fuck with that. And, you know, like, you know, like corn or whatever. There's that thing of like where, you know, where did you come from in terms of your entrance into it? Old school people are going to stay old school so a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think like certain old bands and they get they get like respect, which is due like people like Metallica, Iron Maiden and things like that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. But like there's also just fucking countless bands that don't get the respect that they're due. Yeah. And those are the bands I'm more interested in because I, I couldn't really I've, I've listened to Metallica tons while I was growing up. Like I don't really give a shit anymore. Like, I'm happy that they're successful and that they've got tons of money and that, you know, if I hear Kill Em All come on, I'll be like, yeah, great, sick. But like, yeah. There's so many records like this, which are like priceless art, priceless artifacts, which are like, they're like amber frozen in time of a moment that you'll never get to live. And then the world has changed so much, even in the past five years, that listening to something like this and engaging with it on a kind of emotional level is just an experience that nothing else can give you. Yeah, you know, and, and this, this album's album, twenty nine years old. It's twenty nine years ago. This album is like thirty. Yeah, it's like thirty years old. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, to put that into perspective, like when we were like we were both children of like the late eighties, uh, like yeah. the eighties and nineties, right? So we were growing up listening to music in the nineties. Mm. Um, you know, like thirty years ago was music from the sixties. Yeah. So that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because I think you kind of touched on something that I feel like has been a problem in the scene. I feel like there is such a large portion of like the demographic of like heavy music listeners that have painted themselves into this corner of this niche select few bands that they enjoy and don't go anywhere yeah, and they beyond go that. outside the fucking so pool. All the main headliners are the same big fucking bands. bands. Yeah, it's Which the same fucking guys. It's Metallica, yeah. it's Iron Maiden. But also the bands they're getting replaced with are bullshit too. Yeah, There's no mean? fucking middle ground. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't give a fuck about Ghost. Like, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, they're becoming yeah. massive. And I'm just like... No, they're, they're good, but like, they're a pop band. Yeah. They're a great pop band. And I like them as a pop band, but they're not a metal band. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I like their first records or whatever, but they don't do it for me. No. In that same but then I've never really been a headliner guy. I've never been the guy that goes to a festival no. because I gave a fuck about who was headlining anyway. Yeah, no, So maybe true. that's just it's... not my vibe, you know? Yeah, in many ways, I was actually, uh, wow, easy for me to say. I was actually quite glad if there was a shit headliner because if like Go the headliner bands would clash with yeah. the second stage bands, yeah, yeah, then I know that 100% I'll watch like, yeah. like, you know, I remember once I think Flash God Apocalypse clashed with Nightwish or maybe within yeah. Temptation. And I was just like, that's a perfect clash for yeah, me. Yeah, perfect clash. That's yeah. what you want. Yeah. And, no, and that's it. And it's like, I guess that's the thing, like a big event promoters and people that book. You know, like uh, your fucking your damnations, your bloodstocks and stuff. You're always gonna need those bands that bring in the fucking, you know, the the. I'm trying to think of a non-offensive word here, but you know, the fucking the fucking edge lords. <laughs> no, no, not edge lords. But no, I mean, I mean more like to bring in the. I don't want to say like sheep, but you know, what I mean, you know what I mean, like uh, the the casuals, the casuals, yeah, yeah like the people the, who are like, I like metal, yeah, yeah, like those people, and those people are important too and cool. Yeah, and like those people, and it's like we're getting to the thing with gateway bands, and you it, know. Yeah, you're. Do you know what? You're 100 right because at the end of the day, you know, and I feel like a lot of the elitist fans don't understand this. It is still a business at the end of the day when 
when bookers are booking bands for a festival, yeah. they need to get in a band that is big enough to pull yeah. in the punters. If you book a sort of festival and it was sadness, phlebotomized, <laughs> <laughs> disembowelment, there'd be like 10 blokes that look like me and you in the field looking yeah. really happy <laughs> and no one else. Yeah, yeah, yeah just like fucking like hating yeah. a flame headline in there all three nights. Yeah, yeah, or, but, uh, yeah then you get other cool situations like Lowen getting to play after a Paradise Lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you get weird fucking shit happening, you know? It's, yeah. it's really cool. It's great. And yeah, there's... There's this stuff for everyone and just because something's not to my taste. I mean, you know, me and you, we tend to be pretty close on the compass. We just happen like our in- our interests and kind of the genres we like and stuff like that are very close. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, it's, it's your podcast. It's our podcast. We can just, this is kind of our space to talk about what we like as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, it's a, this album's a solid fucking choice, man. I mean, just getting back to it. Um, the third track, Red Script. I think this is where you could definitely tell uh, the the Celtic Frost vibers there and pretty prevalent. Um, just, just the buzzsaw riffs, man. It's that guitar tone, isn't it? It's just, it's just so fucking gnarly. I think it's the perfect word for it. It's fucking brilliant. It's so good. And you hear even like slight elements of Tom G. Worry in the vocals. Vocals are very aggressive on this track. I think this is when the aggression is kind of upped a little bit and we kind of hear more of the more extreme kind of like heavy heavy music influences. Um, it's got a great transition into like a clean violin and guitar section. And I think it's got the first time it's got the female sung vocals. Um, yeah, it was just very just calm and entran- trance-like. It's just yeah. it's got a lurking groove, just so easy to listen to. And yeah, it's just fucking... Love it. It's a fucking great album. I really like the fact that they they kind of... The, the really cool thing about this album is it kind of reveals itself to you as it goes on. 100%. They don't throw the vocal, the female vocals aren't just thrown at you in the first song. The violin, all that shit isn't thrown at you in the first song. Yeah. The the keys are very important in this in this album and like Aether Reflame that we're going to review afterwards as well. But the, the way the kind of the keyboard work comes in is super interesting. And yeah, like, I really like that, how they kind of think about things and... There's a lot of thoughts going into the songwriting process and going, okay, what's going to be a strong element in this particular song? And what's the general vibe of this song? And how can we convey that? And they really stick true to that. And they don't just fucking throw loads of shit at the wall and hope for the best. No, yeah. It's, yeah, it's everything that's carefully composed and thought out. And I think, you know, that's kind of culminated in the track Tears of Sorrow, which I talked about a little bit, because it's, you know, it starts off with like quite minimalist, similar to the first track, with like these really cool kind of like vocal trade-offs and like really kind of like nice lurking kind of clean bass line. And then, yeah, you get seven minutes in, which is when like the fucking like proper like grooving sort of like stomping riff comes in. And it's just, yeah, and like super like impassioned screamed vocals, like yeah. like proper like precursor, you know, DSBM vocals. Yeah, they are. That's a really, really interesting observation. I really hadn't made that thought. Um, but yeah, this is very DSPM. Yeah, I think it's just it's just, <laughs> it's just anything that sounds kind of like manic. I think DSPM would be better if it sounded more like this. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, this is, uh, I think DSPM, that's, that should be the next. Well, that's, I think some of it does. It depends. Some of it does, yeah. And the problem with DSPM, right, is it's so fucking cringe. You know what I mean? Nicholas just like That's the point. <laughs> Nicholas K. Kvarfoff, whatever his name is. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Kvarfoff, yeah. That, that. Was it, he was the one that stormed off, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you at that gig? Oh, yeah, I was at that oh, gig, yeah. I, I went to... The thing about him, I always knew he was a dickhead, but I really liked the music. I yeah. really liked... Uh, what the fuck is it? Helmstad? That album, Helmstad? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the problem is, he's a fantastic songwriter, and he has some very talented musicians working with him. It makes very good art. I don't think that it can be um, disputed that he makes very good art. And I kind of thought when I first discovered the music, I was like, oh, he's doing a 
a character you know yeah. he's a dick but it's all a very acted out kind of like yeah, shakespearean like a, thing yeah like emphasized and kind of like yeah. sort of dialed up to 11 yeah dialed up and i was like oh i kind of da, da, da. like i didn't really think he was genuinely like, like a wrestling that. heel yeah it was like a wrestling heel that's very much what i thought the situation was and i didn't take it very seriously um um but yeah man i went to see him at the underworld and Tarka played a very mediocre set before them and then <laughs> then they went on stage they played one song and someone threw like a Lucas Aid bottle <laughs> and it bounced off of quite, it was like, it was a plastic bottle. It did yeah. nothing. And yeah. clearly someone was just like, oh, trying to get a rise or whatever. Yeah. And the fucking guy stormed off and didn't come back out. Yeah. They played one fucking song. I paid full whack, like 17, 18 quid for a ticket. Fuck. And that fucking pussy, just, <laughs> just no. that fucking coward. He just was like, I'm not playing the rest of the gig now. No. And I was just like, like, hey, hey, no one hurts me apart from me on stage, yeah, all apart right? From me, yeah, this is a guy yeah. who fucking supposedly slits his fucking hands and shit, yeah. whatever, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, and I just, I haven't really been able to listen to the band since because yeah. I just was yeah. like, oh, that's really pathetic. Yeah, it's, it's always been quite interesting because you've always had the two Shinings and like... Um, yeah, because I never, I always like, I, I liked the Swedish Shining before I found out about the Norwegian Shining. I've been meaning to listen to the Norwegian Shining, but I haven't yet. Well, the Norwegian Shining, funny enough, I was speaking to Callum uh, from Tyrannus. We've got a new album dropping this week as well, mm. which, uh, which is fucking sick, by the way. Very um, good. And um, it's, uh, we were talking a bit about the Norwegian Shining and like, I had never listened to their later material. Mm. They went kind of like full pop yeah, it's and like, like nine inch like nailsy kind of and stuff, and it's just—he looks like a YouTuber now. Yeah, it's really strange because like the early albums, like he had the album Black Jazz, which is essentially what it says on the tin. It's a combination, and you know, a lot of jazzy compositions with elements of black metal. Like it's pretty fucking intense. Like it's got like a good deal of like hardcore aesthetic and like DNA in it as well. So it's like it's really enjoyable, but like totally fucking different from Swedish Shine and you know like. Yeah. But it's uh, it was always cool to have like the two bands the same name just yeah. being occupying totally different spaces. Yeah, I love that because whenever someone mentioned one in like a comment section, whenever the, the thing I used to love is whenever the Norwegian Shining got got like Booked. posted, the comment section would always be people be writing wrong Shining, yeah. wrong Shining. <laughs> like it just it would happen so much. It was really oh funny. God. But apparently, yeah, Slave did loads of work with Norwegian Shining, right? They yeah, like co-wrote, co-performed a bunch of shit with them. Would you say enslaved? Enslaved, yeah. Enslaved had a split with Swedish Shining as well. And they did, yeah, that's right, yeah. 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 I didn't know they worked with um, Norwegian Shining. I know he was involved with Ishan. I think he's done a bit of work with him. I know he's guested like a uh, saxophone on a few of the tracks of some of the earlier Ishan albums. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and Leprosy were his backing band for the longest time as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, Norwegian scene in general is just quite, it's quite a good scene actually. I've always enjoyed it. It's, it's a, it gets a bad rap because of the history of all the you know the second wave yeah. church burdens and all that. That yeah, seems to that. be where the spotlight well, on the scene. Because that was that's that's interesting because that was something I was thinking about in relation to sadness. What year was all the second wave shit going on? Was that like early nineties? About the same time as like this would have been around of, yeah. this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The early yeah. to mid nineties. It's really interesting because like like in terms of Swiss bands, there's some really cool stuff. But obviously you've got like um, Coroner. Coroner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like. Like I really love that because I like to think of like all like this band. I like to think of the fact that the guitarist probably saw Celtic Frost a bunch and was just like, "That's it." Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the, the sound. One. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I really love that. Yeah, to have like fucking Celtic Frost in Corona, <laughs> just with a like, notepad. I'll be having that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, having that. I'll yeah, take those elements. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's great. But it makes sense, right? Because you know, like pre-internet or you know, like the early. I remember '93 would have been you know pre 
broadband yeah. internet anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like there was no way to listen to music really from other scenes unless you were a tape trader. Yeah. So if you weren't you weren't part of that scene, you're only going to be really influenced by the music of your region, right? Yeah. So presuming these guys probably you know because Swiss, let's be honest, it's quite an isolated metal scene. Really, there's a few big names, but I couldn't name too many Swiss bands Tons, off the yeah. top of my head. You know, I think yeah. Bozer are Swiss as well. I think. Yeah. Um, what was it? Um, uh, Pestilence Swiss. Pestilence are Dutch. Oh, Dutch. That's yeah. it. I'm getting mixed up. But yeah, I do that a lot. To be fair, I yeah. get I get I get I get Dutch and Belgian bands mixed up yeah, quite a lot yeah, yeah. actually. Um, my geography is so piss poor, so fucking yeah, poor. Yeah, pretty bad too. But yeah, so yeah, so I suppose if you weren't part of that tape trading scene, you're gonna obviously by directly be directly influenced by the bands that were prominent. Yeah, in that yeah, region, would, and obviously Celtic Frost. You know, not only were they probably the most prominent Swiss band ever. You know, like the, the fucking Tom G is but seeing them for the first time, just being like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Yeah, and just, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, their imprint was felt amongst the entire scene, so it only makes sense that someone in the same country is going to be directly influenced by that as well. Yeah, I, I think, I think as well, like it's quite cool because it's like another version of, obviously, you've got like Swedish Chainsaw. Yeah, you know, obviously in Sweden, like there was a bunch of people going to gigs, going like, "Whoa, what the fuck's going on with your amp, dude? That sounds sick. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna just buy a fucking HM22, you know, and yeah, fucking yeah. slaughter the gain stage on my amp." And um, another one is like obviously like um, like Iron Maiden hearing like Finn Lizzy and um, yeah. Uh, what's the other one? What's the the other twin guitar band that you guys did the album? Wishbone Ash. Wishbone Ash. Yeah, like that's another one. There's like a bunch of bands where people were like, oh, yeah. two guitars playing different notes at the same time in the same melody is like super interesting. I'm yeah. gonna do that, you know. And like yeah, just because a band, a bunch of people go and see like Finn Lizzy and go like, oh, I'm good. it's like it's a technique. Yeah. At the end of the day. And that's like, there's a, that's, that's kind of like a lot, yeah, a lot to be said from a musical perspective. If like, oh, I'm going to, and it, it's kind of interesting because like, it's like with like HM2 stuff, like I mentioned that, you get a lot of bands and it's like, oh, it's a HM2 band. I don't, I don't really care. Mm. You know, they're not yeah. doing it good. They're not doing it like, I mean, like for me with HM2, like, yes, obviously in tune, they're amazing, but like Bloodbath, they're the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, you're like, if you're not bringing what Bloodbath bring with the HM2, yeah. Then like kind of go home, and I really like uh, in terms of new bands. You know that band Fuming Mouth. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, incredible band doing yeah. the HM2 sound, but like doing it in an interesting way. And it's like it's like it's really interesting how you get these kind of things where they're like it might be like a songwriting thing or a particular way of playing riffs, and it's not like copying so much yeah. as people being like, "That's the sound I was looking for. That's what I want." You know, and yeah. that's like yeah, I think that's what happened with this band and Celtic Frost. Yeah, well, it just goes to show that's why songwriting's so important, right? Because mm. if you if you are a strong enough composer and songwriter, the music will stand on its own two legs, yeah. despite how obvious the influences are. Yeah. And um, this certainly does, yeah. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, there's something I fucking love. You know, just going back to the album, I love the track Opal Vault as well. Like, it's more or less, you know, more of a straightforward kind of like doomy kind of like slugging track. But yeah, just yeah. some of the leads, and you touched on this a bit earlier on this album, are just so like achingly beautiful. They are. Because it, it's just so clean. And, you know, like the last track on the album, I think, is probably the best example of that. Lures, or however you pronounce that. Pro- gorgeous, man. The guitar, oh. there's some brilliant chord work going on. Oh, so good. And really it's really like, nice. And one thing I love as well is that they know when to pick up the pace. So, yep. like, you're about four minutes in is when it, it goes, it transitions from like a more of a mid to a slightly sort of mid to fast pace. And, like, and the lead is just kind of picking. And once again, I hate to say it, but it does kind of remind me a bit of Agalock at times. Yeah. You know how you've just got that, that, that over overarching kind of like just just really clean picks lead work just like just yeah. 
just just fucking adding to the overall atmosphere of the track. Well, I think a lot of that is like Agalock. A lot of what's really good about Agalock is it's very familiar because it's they play off a lot of like eighties pop music. They yeah. use a lot of melodies from eighties pop music. And I think that's what's happening here. But with this band, the frame of reference is much more present. It's much more like osmosed and accepted into the band itself because that's the time when they were making the music. That was everything that they were hearing on the radio was those kind of melodies and stuff and pop music. And it's like, that's what's so interesting about this album is like they've internalized so much of that whilst still putting out such heavy work, which is such a rare thing to experience from that time period. Yeah, and it's it's so fucking true because like how many times have you seen like an interview with a band from a similar period and you ask, what was the music that inspired you when you were growing up? They'll say The Cure, Joy Division, Depeche Mode. Yeah, all that stuff. You know, they're talking about all those sort of bands and like and it's 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 always interesting to hear how something that to someone who wasn't well versed in music might think that there'd be no correlation between the two genres yeah but there is so much like depeche mode is such a big one dude oh. if you go and listen to like violator fucking music for the masses like all of those albums like yeah um ultra like that some of the melodies and stuff they put forward whilst not being like a metal band yeah like they were just so fucking doom and yeah. so fucking depressing and miserable and like at the same time just exploring like just exploring themes of like just really not liking who you are which is just not like pop music fair yeah. it's not yeah. like oh i want to be your boyfriend it's yeah. like a lot of that and i think that's a problem with depeche mode is a lot of people hear things like just can't get enough they, they hear the that stuff and they think that that's all there is to Depeche Mode but there's yeah. there's not there's like there's like a fucking weird BDSM underbelly to Depeche Mode which yeah. is like most people who've engaged with their music will know that but like yeah if you listen to like um yeah any of those albums I mentioned they're just like full of yeah. fucking bangers. So I know Violator is like the one right that yeah, is yeah. like the and like I fucking love the track Enjoy the Silence man I, it is yeah it's beautiful beautiful it, piece of music one of the best melodies I've ever heard to this yeah. day you know like it's it's fucking stands the test of time Mm. but yeah yeah man do you know what it was a very very good fucking recommend this album when did you first listen to this only like a couple of weeks ago right I literally it was like a week and a half ago fuck yeah yeah i really wanted to strike while the arm is hot on this one because yeah, i know yeah. phil's just done an episode where he's mentioned it as well i have to go and watch so actually, if enough, if if enough, is, enough of us talk about it it'll hit the algorithm and more people will check the album out yeah fucking yeah phil's really good at fucking like selling an album isn't he like, he's he totally... the ken burns of metal he's a yeah. legend <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's uh fucking yeah i need to check his latest episode actually because there's a few releases on there they're quite like the look of it's uh, yeah, it was oh, Matt, have you listened to that funeral album yet that i told no, I, don't, I don't think i've had the time man that's, that i was listening to it was fucking sick dude yeah because i remember so you waxing lyrical about it it's yeah. so sick yeah and we've pretty much nailed this album now i think we've probably hang it up on this one yeah man so guys thank you very much for watching and listening and if you if any of you have any obscure gems particularly any old school 80s 90s death metal gems that we've never mentioned, send them our fucking way. Comment. Because I am always into hearing about old shit that no one has ever really given the time and space for. One thing I didn't mention about this album, there's like different versions of it on YouTube and the reviews on Metal Archives. There's so many comments where people are like, oh, I fucking heard this album in my friend's bedroom when I was like fucking 12. I've been <laughs> looking for this for fucking years. Yeah. There's so many comments like that about this album. Fuck. Yeah, it? there's lots. Go and check out the YouTube comments. It's really yeah, worth it. So it's great. I love that. I love it's when you cool. get to like, you know, the proper historic comments yeah, at like 12 years yeah, old. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Just like, I, found, I found some of mine the other day. I think oh, I found amazing. a comment of mine on the Lacathia of Flame. Amazing. Um, then, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, thank you very much for watching. Feel free to like, subscribe, and yeah. Keep on rocking in the free world.
Mm. And I'll see you next time. Yeah.